Welcome back, everyone, to this edition of the Fluid Fan Podcast. As always, I am your host, Angela Ruggiero, CEO and co-founder of Sports Innovation Lab. If you've been listening to this pod, we try to help empower the industry to better understand your fan and the technologies driving innovation, driving change, driving behavioral change more specifically. So I appreciate you spending time with me, with us, learning about the future of sport, hearing from some of the industry's best and brightest. And we actually have one of those here today. My guest today is an industry leader. He is dedicated to creating an innovative fan experience. So speaks my language, Moon Javed, the chief strategy officer for the San Francisco 49ers, is going to join me on the show today and discuss how he's built one of the largest uh, strategy and analytics teams in the NFL during his nine years with the team. I'm going to put some major emphasis on the data-driven decisions that he uses every day. Again, speaking my language, speaking our language here at Sports Innovation Lab. If you don't know Moon, he's been recognized as a member of the Leaders 2020 40 Under 40. Got that during the pandemic, so didn't get to do it live, but nonetheless, one of the leaders in last year's class. And he's also a 2021 National Diversity and Leadership Conference's Top 50 Diverse Leaders in Sports. So throughout this conversation, you're going to hear about all of his innovative practices, partnerships that they're really trying to strike at the 49ers. And we'll touch on our top 25 most innovative teams in the world ranking, which the 49ers made. Congrats to the 49ers. Congrats to you, Moon. We'll get into that lately. And for those of you that don't know, we're actually going to put out our second edition of the top 25 most innovative teams in the world report with all of the data-driven rankings in January. So stay tuned for that. Again, we fine-tune our criteria, technology focus, revenue diversification, and organizational agility. We are trying to be super objective again and who makes that list because we think it has major impact on business. And so it's our data and our insights that really drive those final results. So stay tuned for the top 25 report coming out in January of 2022. Wow, we're almost in 2022. Nonetheless, let's not delay any further. Let's jump right into one of the most innovative in the industry, Moon Javed, the Chief Strategy Officer of the San Francisco 49ers on today's edition of the Fluid Fan Podcast. All right, welcome to the Fluid Fan Podcast with Moon Javed. Again, you heard his background, the Chief Strategy Officer of the 49ers. Moon, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Angela. Look forward to chatting with you today. So this podcast is all about technology innovation, but more specifically, how do you understand your fan, hence the fluid fan? And that's why I'm so excited for this. This is what you do every single day. You're a practitioner. I talk about it. You're living it at the 49ers. So I'm so excited to have this conversation. I feel like there's going to be a lot of melding of the mind, so to speak. But before we dive into what you're doing now with the 49ers across you know, all the amazing awards you've received, can you just give our listeners uh, a quick background, some of the prior roles you've had either with, with Nike or, or Elevate Sports and just to get, provide some context for, for who we're talking to today. Awesome. Yeah. So I'll give like a one minute background. I was uh, born and raised in Cleveland. So I grew up a Cleveland sports fan. And then I ended up heading to Northwestern where I was actually a psychology major. 
And then I, I worked in strategy consulting at LEK Consulting and was a journalist consultant for about three years and then shifted over into private equity. And in private equity, what I was doing was I was, we had a fund of a, a couple hundred million dollars and we were investing in businesses that were right around five to $10 million in size. And so I learned a lot throughout that experience. Then I actually took a year off. And in that year off, I traveled to about 30 countries. I think that was a very good experience that I would recommend for everyone out there. Then I ran a startup for a couple of years. The startup was centered around mobile gift cards and really giving for parents to give their students in college mobile gift cards. Did a little bit of a stint at Nike, uh, working in their global treasury group. So worked on a lot of their cash balances and how they can effectively move their cash across the world, which was a really intriguing challenge to, to work with them on. And then I uh, came over to the Niners in 2013 and been working with the Niners ever since and helped to launch our Elevate Sports Ventures back in about 2018. Yeah, you've been up to a lot. But philosophically, when we were looking up your background and, and have some of the quotes and you've got that private equity experience, that kind of data-driven, you know, bottom line thought process. One quote I thought was really interesting, despite the much celebrated Moneyball years, the era characterized by the entrance of data analytics into baseball ops, sports business has only gradually been adapting to the core principles of BSA over the last decade. You're speaking our language. You, you're at your core, you're an analytics guy, right? That's, that's, that's who you, that's what you think about every single day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Thinking about big data and just data overall and how that can help inform our overall decisions and using that data to make the best strategic and operational decisions for our organization. And definitely, I believe that, you know, you can have the most information with having a good data strategy that can help you make the best decisions. So you won the leaders 40 under 40 last year. Congratulations, by the way. I was I got it. Thank you. I'm aged out. But, uh, <laughs> but congratulations. Was that a weird ceremony? It must have been during COVID, right? You know, we actually didn't do one. So, you know, it was, it was the pandemic year. It was, it, I went the previous year to celebrate Brent Shrove on, on our team who, who got leaders under 40 back in 2019. And it was, that was a very fun night. Unfortunately, the pandemic prevented us from having a similar celebration, but you know, m- m- maybe one day. <laughs> so they have to do a make do with you at some point. You're definitely leading the industry in a, a number of different formats, including, I believe the 2021 National Diversity and leadership conference, top 50 diverse leaders in sports. So that's a big, big part of what we try to do at Sports Innovation Lab is drive inclusion and uh, diversity of thought. So you're, congrats on that one as well. (laughs) Thank you. I very much appreciate that. And that one definitely meant a lot as well for me, because for the same reason that you mentioned, diversity, equity, inclusion, and and the fight for racial equity is, is definitely something that is near and dear to my heart. Yeah. All right. Like I said, we're going to, we're going to have melding the minds here. We, we think, I think we think very, fairly similarly. So tell me a little bit more. I, I we'll get into the 49ers because everyone knows the 49ers. If you're a, a football fan here in the U S elevate, you, you said, you mentioned that's only been around about three years, but, but very quickly, you guys are, are doing a lot around sports and entertainment consulting. Tell me what that is and, and why you guys founded it. Absolutely. So We founded Elevate really as a sports agency, and we help teams, leagues, conferences out with their challenges across the board, whether it be a team looking to build a new stadium or redesign an arena. We can help them out with their feasibility studies or premium product pricing. We can then work with them to actually sell those tickets and hospitality sales as well. We also work a lot on the partnership side too, both partnership sales and partnership asset valuation. 
But my key role within the Elevate ecosystem and really sort of the bread and butter of Elevate is it's, it's an agency that is really backed by data and analytics. And I think it's data analytics first that really drives a lot of our decision-making within the Elevate world, which, which makes us a little bit different than some of the other agencies out there. And it was my role to really build that team out. So back in 2018, started with just my, myself and maybe one other analyst working on the Elevate Insights team to now where we have about 20 individuals that, that are working on that team and supporting anywhere from 40 to 50 teams, conferences, leagues across the board. And, you know, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to, to be on this ride with the team. Yeah. I uh, hear we do. We're data back strategy. We, we, we do something similar, but the, the idea that the industry needs more data and analytics to drive forward strategy versus, you know, shooting from the hip or, Hey, this is what we've always done. Or, Hey, I know a guy that knows a guy I would say there's a lot to it. So congrats on the launch of that and the success you've had to date, you know, sports innovation lab, we're all about out data and, and you guys are you leading the way with the teams, quite frankly, the team side with the 49ers can't say enough good things. We've seen to, to backtrack, we've seen a lot of athletes use data and human performance. Tell me broad strokes, how you've seen this industry then lean into on the business side, as we said earlier, data analytics information on their fan. And what are the, again, go-to sources you're looking at or thinking about as, as you guys make big decisions at the 49ers? I think overall, as it relates to big data and, and overall looking at analytics, looking at our surveys and what we've done with our surveys, our post-event recaps, our happy, happy or not terminals and our executive huddle, all those are really buzzwords and I can help walk through them in just a, just a second here. But really just listening to our fans and ingesting their, what they're saying to us, we can generate about 30 to 40,000 surveys a year. And then we can compile those results and put them in great visualizations so that we can actually see what our fans are requesting us to do. And then it's just about going out and executing and blocking and tackling against that. So I think that's one of the biggest drivers of really improving fan satisfaction is that data that we can now have. And then I'd say a second area, which is obviously in our industry, just as important as fan satisfaction, it's also the dollars. And so thinking about how we've been smarter about ticket pricing and looking at what's going on in the secondary markets to move towards from you know, static pricing to variable pricing to now dynamic pricing and understanding how we can really lift our revenues up by adjusting to market demands. Bottom line, all about the bottom line. <laughs> Definitely moves the needle quickly. Then I'm curious, Moon, you're, you talked about understanding the fan through surveys. Are there any other, I don't know, best practices? You know, the fan journey isn't just during the game. It's before, during, and after, as you know. Any best practices that you're, that you're looking at from, with your chief strategy hat on to really drive that experience that you're looking to, to do on behalf of, of the fan or your partners, for that sake, throughout that, that life journey? Just any nuggets that, that you've uncovered recently with your data? Yeah, I would, I would say that overall, it's, it's very important to have not just one modality. So I'm not, we're not just doing post-game surveys and we're not just doing focus groups, but it's being able to do our focus groups where we can hear a little bit more in-depth qualitative information along with doing your market studies and doing the surveys and post-event recaps. We will also use a conjoint analysis in a lot of our studies as well, which effectively puts our our fans and trade-off decisions as opposed to willingness to pay type of decisions. So what I mean by that is 
paying, so would you prefer a 50 yard line seat for $100 with all inclusive, or would you prefer, you know, to sit in the upper deck for $30 and, and pay for your food as you go? And so we'll, we'll use different methodologies to really understand our fans better. And then you always have to tie that with what's really happening, because there are a lot of situations where fans will tell you what they want and where people will tell you what they want, but that's not actually what they really want. We saw that a little bit actually with the elections, you know, back in 2016 and sort of people articulating one thing versus doing another thing. Yeah. Uh, a great, a great example we have for us is that our fans always talk about how, how they want to eat healthier and they want healthy food options. So we, we introduced like the hot dog. They want the beer. <laughs> they absolutely want the hot dog. And that's what they're going to eat. So yeah. you need to validate what they're saying with what's, what's, what's happening at the registers and what, what they're actually doing. And if you can marry the two together, then I think you can, you have the, the best information to really inform your strategy moving forward. Yeah. We're big on uh, behavioral analysis, measuring what fans are actually doing versus to your point, what they say they're doing. And we talk about that a lot here. If we can actually quantify their behaviors and give advice on that, you know, that's kind of the golden, um, yes. golden opportunity. It's not, I like, you know, vegetarian food. Nah, actually, you're buying the beer. We can see you're buying the beer in the, in the hot dog. Absolutely. And you, you, you said that we would be speaking alike here. And, uh, you know, I, I was a psychology major in behavioral psychology and behavioral economics are two key areas that I, that I focused on while I was in college. And I definitely try and apply a lot of those principles to what we do at the Niners. Good to hear. We're anyone that can speak behavioral language versus demographic language where our ears perk up. So I know one of your recent initiatives that you've spearheaded focuses on the fan experience for your ticket holders, which we all know, you know, drives a large portion of that recurring revenue and those diehard fans, you know, you've moved to this beautiful new arena and Santa Clara, how do you incentivize these these season ticket holders to to make this trip to a beautiful arena? What are the things that you've been focused on to again continue to to drive loyalty of of those season ticket holders? I, I love the way that you asked that question, and and it is really being thoughtful about the whole end to end experience. So from the time you leave your home um, and get to the game till the time you get back home, how can we make that experience the best possible? And another way of thinking about that as well is. How do I remove any friction or obstacles that you have in your way that the next time you come to a game, you're, you're going to say, man, I, you know, I really didn't like waiting in that restaurant line, or I didn't like that parking experience. We want to like avoid all those situations that you could have and try and give you a seamless experience. So for us, that means we, we have a, about 150 happier not terminals located throughout our stadium where actually our fans can hit those buttons and there's two frowny faces and two smiley faces that they could hit and they could let us know how they feel about their entry experience or how they feel about that specific concession stand or, or that specific restroom. We're able to relay that information in real time to adjust their experience. And so if we get a couple of unhappy faces at a restroom, we know that the restroom probably has a toilet that's out of order or you know some toilet paper that needs to be sent down right away. And so instead of having that problem fester for a while, we can go and we can solve that problem immediately. Same thing with cash registers being down or people entering into our building from a from a different gate than what we might be used to, we can redeploy our staffing to send more ticket takers to an area where fans are coming in a little bit more heavily. So the, the overall guiding principle of everything we do is to really minimize the amount of disruption that, that a fan could experience so that the next time that they have the thought of coming to a game that they say, yes, I want, I want to be there. That was a great experience. End to end fan satisfaction. Sounds your, that's what you're all about. Yes. And 
And the two key areas, honestly, within that for me that I think are the most important are concessions and egress. So I think the departure experience is so important. And there's actually a theory, peak end theory, which I really ascribe to, which talks about how for a person, how they remember an event and how they experience happiness on an event is most correlated to the peak of the event. So the most extreme emotion, and then also the end of the event. So how the event ended. So if you can end with a when you end with a terrible exit experience and fans are waiting for two hours to exit the parking lot, that makes them very unlikely to want to come again. So we, we focus very heavily on, on egress. And then from, from a peak moment as well, that, that tends to be what's happening on, on, on the pitch or on the field or on the court. Control or you're going to get scored on in the last you know, minute of play, but you can't control your egress to an extent. So that, that, that's yes. really psychology being implied in real time again want to stay on this theme of of the fan journey and you know what fan behaviors matter most to your fans the 49ers because they have some pretty good diehards we've seen this connection in the venue where they can share photos and videos of their experience and tell us about the in arena experience that you've invested in or believe are important based on the specific behaviors your fans have said are, are the most important to them I think the most important piece that we've launched this year is our member-inclusive menu. And our member-inclusive menu is an all-inclusive type of experience for our season ticket holders, where they're getting about 80% of the items that they've ordered in previous years, things like hot dogs, fries, pretzels, peanuts, nachos, all included in the price of their season ticket. And the reason why this one was such an important initiative for us is for years, we've been looking at our survey results and our happy or not feedback and concessions in an area that we just really struggle in. And as I looked across the industry as a whole, I noticed that it was the lowest scoring area for pretty much every team across every industry that I looked at. And as you think about it more, I think about it just by going to a movie theater because I I get myself out of the sports mindset and I really do not like paying $7 for a popcorn and and $5 for a soda. Like I really, I really just don't. So I can, I can imagine our fans not liking that same thing. At the same time, I understand why the prices are the way that they are. And I understand how much it costs to actually get that hot dog to you as a fan. And it's not absurdly priced when you break it down in in that way. So for us, we really had to think through how can we break that dynamic of our fans really struggle with how how expensive things are Mm -hmm. uh, from a concessions perspective. And so how do we get that? How do we get the food to them and and something that they struggle with and give them a great experience? And so... We launched our member inclusive menu where our season ticket holders are now getting these items for free. And fortunately so far, things have been working out really well. Our, our fan satisfaction is at an all-time high as it relates to concessions. And our, our fans have really been enjoying the experience so far. I think that, that's psychology too, right? If, you, if, I, if you're paying the same price, you're asking to pay like 25 cents, 25 cents, 25 cents, just versus the dollar up front. It, I don't have to think about it anymore, right? <laughs> Yes, it's a it's a, it's a hundred percent that way. And then if we, if we even dove a little bit further into the psychology of it, fans are actually still spending about the same amount of money because they're they're accustomed to spending that amount of money at the stands. It's not something that we necessarily planned for, like wanted to do, or but it is something that we've noticed right out the gates is that the fans are still actually spending about the same amount of money on their transactions, and they're getting additional free food. So they're they're basically getting another unit or two of food than they would previously, while spending the same amount of money. Yep. Which is very fascinating. Yep. All right. Turning it over to more data and analytics on the field. You were one of the big, you know, initiatives that you've done has also focused on the on the field executive huddle program. So the first real time analytics control room on NFL game days. Can you tell us 
again, why that was such an important um, initiative and how it's optimizing your your business strategy. Yeah, I think it, it all started with our with our post event recaps that we were doing, and we, we started these in 2013, and we were really able to show our executives and our ownership team and our fans that we were able to make changes in between games. So if you had told us that, you know, hey, the parking lots were really dark on a night game, maybe you should throw up some lights. What, what we, we would throw on some lights in that parking lot. We were able to make about two or three hundred changes in between games. And then it started with Al Guido. Al Guido is our team president. And he effectively just said, hey, we have 10 shots a year, you know, to, to get this right. So if you're just waiting for the for the next game, you've immediately lost out on 10% of that customer's experience. And your highest you could get is potentially like a 90 if you sort of break it out in that way. And he, he just simply asked, is that, is that good enough? And I think the answer was no, no for us. And we thought that we could, we went down the road of seeing if we could effectively make changes in real time. So our first worry was happy or not. We deployed that. And then it was, can we see if we can actively make changes. So if, if our fans tell us that they're having a negative experience at a parking lot or at a concession stand, can we react in time? And the answer was yes. We were able to really operationally execute on it. Mm. So then we we wanted to enhance that that level because it's, it's something I even said earlier. Like the happy or not is just what the fans telling. I would like to combine that with what's actually happening in the stadium to get the full mm. picture of what's, what's happening at the stadium. So then we combine the happy or not feedback along with entry scans coming into our building, parking scans, concessions, and retail point of sale data and, and weather data. And with all those pieces of information, we can really start to see what the issues that are happening in our building are, and then we can solve them in real time. I'll give you a couple examples of that to help put that into perspective and, and maybe why that happens. And so I guess starting with the why it happens is on a game day, we have generally anywhere from three to 4,000 temporary employees that might be coming to our building for the first time helping out in a large variety of ways, whether it's you know from a security perspective, a ticket taker perspective, a concessions perspective, a restroom attendant perspective. A lot of these individuals are new. And then you also have 100 stands, you know, probably 1,000 point of sales, 70 restrooms. You're, you're, you're going to have problems in your building, no matter how great anyone is. And so our goal is we understand these problems are going to happen. How quickly can we identify them and then solve them? And so the things that I mentioned along the lines of staffing or parking entry and changing signage on in or like out on the roads to point people in different directions to, to go to different parking lots if parking lots are filling up, moving staff over from one gate to another if, if a gate is getting hit, getting tech support for our concession stands if a point of sale is down. So none of these are, people always ask me like, what big problem are you solving? Like none of these are huge problems, but we're solving probably a dozen to two dozen small problems a game that, and I think those pieces really do add up. Yeah. And it's the, yeah, the little things, you know, the bathroom line was too long and I missed the touchdown or it took me forever to get out that at the end of the day, we talk a lot about, you know, technology and investment in this app and this, you know, just make have another bathroom or use the bathroom bathrooms more efficiently might might actually have higher fan satisfaction <laughs> so you guys have done a tremendous job obviously we love having you on moon today to talk about what you're doing specifically in your role as chief strategy officer but i also like to take a step back just 49ers in general um, i think you know you were named to our top 25 most innovative teams in sports report this past year and there were only four nfl teams by the way that were named to that a lot of international football clubs that are building, you know, enterprise value, if you will, and, and, and driving fan experience at a number of touch points. So congratulations 
first for making the list. And you know, the three criteria again for our listeners, revenue diversification, which means you're you know going beyond just ticketing and concessions and meteorites. So you're driving more revenue, more touch points with the fan. You have a real technology focus, again, leveraging the technologies that empower all these behaviors that we believe will drive fan engagement and organizational agility, which is again, staffing for the future, looking for new skill sets, being diverse and inclusive uh, as, a, as an organization. The 49ers specifically, I want you to respond to this. You had a lot of mixed reality technologies, a high tech score. You host your own startup showcase. You are, uh, you've developed a lot of in-home apps, including the Venue Next app, and you've implemented 8K video boards in the venue, um, working on SAP on in-venue analytics. You have an in-house analytics team. So your team, you know, drove the score up. Congratulations. So you're doing a lot of really cool things to not just drive fan engagement, but overall value in the club. Tell me about your feedback on your positioning, some of the things that you believe have, you know, landed you on that, that, that list, the top 25 in the world, most innovative teams. Absolutely. So first, very much appreciated. And we, we are honored to be on that list. And I love, I love the breakdown and methodology that you guys have. It, it sort of reminds me of one of our internal frameworks as we use as people process and technology. And that's how we think about our organization and how we feel ourselves moving forward is we have to have the right people in place. We have to develop the right processes and, and collaboration across the organization. And we need the right technology at hand. And so I think I'll start on the technology side there. And, and something that we do, Angela, and I'm, I'm going to say that I think I stole this from you, honestly. Um, and so it's we had a conversation. <laughs> yes, we had a conversation probably about three or four years ago where you were walking through all the different sports technology companies out there. And you guys keep a great pulse of all the sports technology companies out there. And, you know, in that conversation, it dawned on me that we literally talked to like a vendor every other week. And so what we did is we just developed our own internal database and just tracked every conversation that we've had over the last couple of years. So now our database is probably up around 200 different vendors in, in the sports tech space. And we developed this process internally and we coordinate with our partnership team and our marketing team. They'll tell us, hey, we need you know, we might get an inbound request now from our partnership team that said, hey, we might want to look at a, you know, a partnership in the technology space that's really close to AI or machine learning or whatever category it might be. And then we'll immediately be able to pull up and filter and say, all right, these are the five companies we've talked to in the past. And th this is one that we might want to move forward with. So I think from a process and technology point, we've cleaned up a lot over the like last three to five years. And I think have a really firm understanding of the sports tech space that became really important for us as well not only for the 49ers but for elevate as well as we're consulting with other teams our knowledge of the space has to be we, we have to know the space and so i think that's really helped us out first and foremost i'd say from a technology perspective as well i think that jed and who's our uh, ceo and an owner and then al have a pretty progressive mentality and so they've allowed us to take some of these leaps and as we talk about using happier or not or we talk about using executive huddle or we talk about moving to frictionless as we, as we had this year, entering into our building and moving to MIM, it, it all comes from ownership down. And if they're not supportive of, of taking a leap and you know promoting innovation, the rest of the organization is going to struggle with it. And so I think that has really sort of helped us out and us sitting in Silicon Valley and sort of having that mindset, I think really helps us out. I'd say those would probably be the, the major key areas I'd say. And then maybe one other piece here is, and you, you talked about the bottom line a couple of times earlier today, and it's and how we've grown our businesses outside of our oval. And our, our BSA team, we have four 
four key pillars of our team. Uh, I'll just also rattle them off to you and then we'll get to the fourth one, which is the first one is enhanced fan experience. The second is to trust our partners and our partners are really related to concessions and, and merchandise. It's making money efficiently. And that's, you know, our big data, CRM, data warehouse. And the last one is to expand our brand. And so it's that last fourth, fourth area, which I think you focus on as well. And in the last five years, we've been able to open up three physical therapy centers. We've opened up a couple of gyms. We've acquired a high school sports show and are launching another high school sports show. But we try and re- really try and think through how we can expand our brand past 10 days a year. Because our, our oval and our logo does resonate within the market more than 10 days a year. And the NFL actually put, puts out this report every year where they talk about the power of the NFL. And it's, you know, and every given month, like the NFL is the most popular sport or the most thought, thought of sport. So we understand that our logo is thought about all year round. But maybe 10 years ago, we were only monetizing it on 10 days a year. So I think we've been thoughtful about how we can do those pieces. I can give you two more real quick. And so I'll give you one success and one failure. So one is we launched our supporters club this year. So it's a concept that you see in your European teams all the time. And so we only have about, call it 70,000 fans that can enter into our building, but we have millions of fans that are, that are across the world. And how can we monetize past the 70,000 fans? And so I think a great effective way that European teams have done it is by, by starting these supporters clubs that can add value from a content perspective, from a merch perspective to fans across the world. We did. We launched it in August. Your score is going to pop up next year, just so you know, because that was one of the, the, one of the ways, again, diversification of not just revenue, which means you're touching the fans in new, new ways. So I was, I was asking that, like, what did you do this year? I know you mentioned personalist payments, your partnership with Visa, cashless, like what yes. are the things during the pandemic or in the last year? Because I, I would assume you're going to keep going up in the ranking. <laughs> I, I hope so. Yeah. And, you know, so some of the other things that we've done, we, we did, we launched our ski data turnstiles this year. So effectively, you know, you can come into our building. You don't need to talk to a ticket taker. You can scan your ticket by yourself. A turnstile will, will let you go through. And then we're, we're going to invest in the magnetometers that make it a true walk-in experience into our stadium. And then think about deploying that, honestly, at concession stands and, and club experience as well. We just introduced, like within the past month, season ticket member only stands. And we did this to help really the throughput from our member inclusive menu. But now that we're having season ticket member only stands, I want to automate that, that ability for those fans to be able to get into that stand and get to the kiosk as quickly as possible. We did launch kiosk this year. So all of our, we, we traded out our point of sale to kiosk, self-service kiosk. And there's some interesting things that we're doing on those kiosks as well. Not only from a, a labor side where you could effectively, you know, have one attendant service two kiosks instead of a one-to-one, but we're also experimenting with it in terms of placement of items. Test that we did last week was, you know, we were putting all of our free items on top. We put our beer on top in the last game, small, small, simple things. You know, if you check out, you don't have an added an item that I might want you to, I might throw up on the kiosk in a couple of weeks, like, hey, did you forget your fries? Or hey, did you forget adding like a cheese so that we can potentially use some of those behavioral pieces to, to increase our per caps a little bit? But I'll leave you with, with what- with, Do you buy more beer? I'm curious, at the top or the bottom? Top. All right, all right. Yeah. And then I'll give you one failure too, because you know teams innovate all the time. It's not always going to end in, end in success. Something that I was like super happy and proud about was we launched an escape game, which the- with the founders of the escape game, the largest escape game company in the world. And I thought we did a phenomenal job of 
putting together this game and we worked with our community relations team and we had Jerry Rice and he was the narrator for it and overall sales were not that high. And I, I think I learned that the cross-section of escape game individuals with like NFL enthusiasts is, is just not as high as I thought it would be. <laughs> community. Yeah, we're, we're focused yeah. a lot about, um, we call it the community-based monetization model. Where do you find those communities around what behaviors, around what identities? Yeah. Not escape, yeah. it's good, 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 yeah. good community. <laughs> but yeah. I will applaud you for failing fast and enough, you know, we talk a lot about the successes to your point, but yes. falling down and figuring out quickly that it doesn't work and moving on. But, you know, I yes. fell a million times when I was playing hockey. Every athlete talks about their, oh, yeah. you know, failures lead to the success. So, um, so we should, lo- we should lose, we should fail, but we should learn from those failures. Exactly. And if you haven't failed, you haven't pushed yourself hard enough. And, oh, you know, yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you the story that, so I, we, we launched this game game. It was, like you said, fail fast. Three weeks later, I walked into Al Guido, our team president's office, and I told him, hey, I think I just dumped this money, like, you know, a six-figure sum of investment into your escape game, and it, it didn't end up working out. And, you know, he didn't get upset. He just simply, is, he looked at me and said, what did you learn? And right. I, I, I started cited a couple things I learned that could help us out when we launched our supporters club. And so he's like, great. So make sure you do those when you launch a supporters club. And, and we did. And so it's like you have great, again, culture, leadership, you need to provide space and budget to fail, right? Go yes. try things out. Cause you learned something that will put you higher on the list next year, which is like, go reach out to your fan base globally. <laughs> yes. Yes. 100%. I love it. All right. We're going to wrap soon, but before we dive into my section around innovation, I wanted to give you the floor to talk about any, you know, 50, 50,000 foot trends that you're seeing uh, technologies that, that are going to have an impact in this market in sports. What are the high level things that you're you're keeping your finger on the pulse on maybe aren't here today but in five ten years everyone will be talking about yes so i mean for us like really high up on the list is sports betting and you know obviously understand that sports betting is legal in many states it's not legal in california so we are keeping our pulse very closely tied to what's going on there and then really we're we're I love the fact that it's not legal and other states went first because this is one of the times I can learn from all the other teams out there and what they've done. And so we've been talking to a lot of teams and seeing what they're doing as it relates to legalized sports betting. Obviously, a lot with the NFT, crypto, blockchain world that is happening across all of all the leagues in the world. And I'd even include bank tokens in there. And so I think those are going to be the two things that people will largely talk about over the next like three to five years, because those can be really huge monetary differences. And I think I don't, I don't have the details on it because it just came out yesterday, but the new Staples Center deal where I think it's, is it crypto.com? crypto.com? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the first big splash that I think I've seen and it's Staples Center that, well, it's not, it's crypto.com arena now. Um, so that's a pretty big, you know, it's a pretty big shot that they took there. So I think we'll, we'll definitely see a lot on those lines. I think something that's maybe not tech related that I think maybe I, I want to push a little bit more. And I think I'm, you know, I've seen a couple of people talk about this a little bit, but is how do we figure out, you know, in my mind, like ownership and equity, and is there a means for teams to get that to employees? I see the Packers did this like last week, they did it for fans. And so they did another offering for fans, but I think there will be an owner that's, that's progressive that will want to do that in the next five to 10 years. Yeah. Love it. All right, Moon, thanks for your time again. I can't let you go. You got to answer four questions for me. The first is what does innovation mean to you? Ooh, that's a good one. I would say leading the charge and challenging the norm to elevate the collective standard. 
I love it. Elevate. Got the name in there again. <laughs> uh, what's what's the most innovative person in our industry? Who is? Who is the most innovative person? I'll give you two. I'll keep one in house and say it's Al. Uh, because <laughs> you got to of... say that his boss. Is <laughs> yes, yes. But outside of Al, I might go with Adam Silver and Michael Rubin. I think what I think Adam Silver definitely really changed the course of this the, the pandemic in America and the narrative there with some of the quick decision making that he did, and he's done that time and time again. And Michael Rubin, there was a fascinating piece on him recently. I think it was an SBJ. I, I can't remember where it was in, but you know he's overall a really fascinating individual. He's built up the Fanatics ecosystem to an incredible place, and he's still looking to make large bets in a lot of areas. So I, I do admire him from afar. I'm with you. Most innovative company in sports tech. Oh, man. So I have a lot of partners here um, and even more okay, partners. Okay, you can get off the hook because you got to say every partner, non-partner. How's that? Someone you're not working with, maybe you're eyeing. Okay. Well, they're no longer a partner right now, but I will say Venue Next right now, I think has done a phenomenal job with our member inclusive menu and the rollout. And I think when I think about sports tech, I, the thing that really resonates with me, honestly, is who's the best partner that, that, that's out there. And so a partner that understands your operational needs and, you know, works with you on those challenges instead of just, you know, articulating that like their, their job finishes here and like you need to figure out the rest. And it's, no, we're all, we're all in one big team. And I think Venue Next does a great job at, job at that. I think Satisfy does a great job of that as well. And I'd say, you know, I, I haven't really formalized a, a, a strong relationship with wait time yet, but I found that all my interaction with them have been very partner focused and partner centric and how can we we work together to solve these challenges together great all right last one most innovative league team or federation you can't say the 49ers or the nfl because that's <laughs> all right it's not a league or team but I, i'm, I'm going to go back to fanatics i think what they, what they've done is it's been incredible over the last decade and i think that they are just getting started i'll give you two more that i think are fascinating as well i'll go with formula one i think what they've done on the content side to to really help grow that grow formula one and it, they it's been impressive what they've been able to do in america this year and then the ipl in india i think that's a league that is less than 10 years old that has made tremendous progress and you know from an overall valuation perspective after 10 years like might be the highest valued league in at its 10 year point that i've ever seen it's it's pretty remarkable untapped market you gotta just maybe there's more data on that we would we would all be investing but yeah i'm with you That's yes explosive growth it doesn't get nearly enough attention yeah moon java chief strategy officer of 49ers thank you for your time today and talking about innovation and fan behavior and all the interesting work you're doing with the 49ers so i appreciate your time and wisdom to our, our listeners here on the Fluid Fan Podcast. Absolutely, Angela. Definitely appreciate you having me on. And, and honestly, this was, this was one of the funnest podcasts I've done. I've had a lot of fun chatting with you. So I uh, definitely appreciate it. Once again, thanks to Moon Javed, the Chief Strategy Officer of the San Francisco 49ers. Hopefully those listening have learned a tidbit about his role, what the 49ers are up to, and the insights he shared with us today. Thank you, Moon. Love hearing that you are making data-driven decisions. You're using analytics to better understand your fans and uh, hopefully drive a better fan experience for them. That's what we talk about. That's what we love. So best of luck as you continue in your innovative journey. Moon will be absolutely watching and keeping an eye out for you. As I mentioned before, keep an eye out for our top 25 most innovative teams in the world ranking. 
and report coming out in January. I'm curious. We haven't pushed the button yet. We're not, we're not sure who's who's going to make that final list. I'm curious if 49ers, I'm assuming based on that conversation, they've moved up in the ranking. So I will definitely be tuned in to my own report, our own report. Uh, speaking of, thank you to my team for all the work you do in that research, in these podcasts, Jack, my producer, uh, for making me sound good every single time I get out here. And, uh, and my team, my listeners, thanks for tuning in. Keep the feedback coming. Keep subscribing. Tell us what you like. Hopefully you are enjoying this. You're learning something. Uh, I like to be a life learner. You're, uh, if you're on this, if you've listened this far, just going to say you've got the growth mindset. You want to tweak every little inch you can out of a pod. So I'm just telling you, you get an A plus on my book today. So thanks for listening. I'm Angela Ruggiero. Follow me on my channels and I'll see you next time on Food Fan Podcast. Bye.